I'm old. Anyway, I am so glad to be here with you. And those of you that are joining us online, thanks so much for worshiping with us today. I am excited to be here. I hope you all had a good Christmas uh, with your friends and families. Uh, I'm not naive. I know holidays can be wonderful and they can be challenging, uh, particularly these last couple of years uh, as we've dealt with COVID. Uh, we've experienced many losses and many disappointments. And uh, I am so glad that Jesus became a real human being. He experienced the full range of human emotions, great joys, deep sorrows. So whatever you're experiencing in this season, he understands. And he feels with you. And he is able to help you. Isn't that good news? The writer to Hebrews, uh, this is uh, not going to show up on the screen because... Surprise, I thought of it this morning. Anyway, uh, but writer to Hebrews in chapter 2 says this, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Important word there, had. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We also know that the Son did not come to help angels. He came to help the descendants of Abraham. That's you and I. Therefore, it was necessary for him, Jesus, to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that could take away the sins of the people. Isn't that good news? We have any people who've ever done anything wrong out there? Uh, yeah. Thank God Jesus came to take away our sins. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we are being tested. You can look that up. That's Hebrews 2, 14 and 18. Now, uh, I, I'm a, I love history. I love history of all kinds. Actually, I'm going to be going to the Minnesota History Museum after this service with a couple of kids that they love to give us what they call experience presence, and uh, it is wonderful. So I'm, I'm going to enjoy that. I love church history, and so there's a wonderful early church leader named Athanasius from North Africa that has a great quote. He says, Jesus became like us in every way so that we could become like him in every way. You know, of course, don't you, that Jesus didn't come just to barely rescue you, kind of just get you over a line, no, he came to transform your whole life and so that ultimately you and I will be completely like Jesus. Now, because we all have different personalities, different gift mix, and so on, we'll, we'll, it'll be different, but the same character and quality of life will be in all of us. Isn't that awesome? That's already begun, friends, and, it's, and God wants to do that more and more every single day. That's what 2022 will be about. That's what 2021 was about, God helping you and I to grow into the image of Jesus. Now... I remember my first Christmas after beginning to follow Jesus. I put my trust in Jesus in October of 1968. Many of you were not even a glint in anybody's eye then. Uh, so, so, De so December was a couple of months later, you know. And uh, the songs and the stories that I heard for so many years became alive to me. Now, they always were alive, but I hadn't been alive spiritually. Now I was. And so there was a match. Those songs meant something to me. I found a joy in getting to know Jesus 
that I had never experienced before, that was with me and would carry me through the rough times and be there in the great times. I loved learning about Jesus as I read the Bible. That actually is the point of the Bible, you know, to lead us to Jesus. Paul says the scriptures are there to make us wise so we would receive the salvation that's offered to us through trusting in Jesus Christ. So I was doing that. And I wanted so badly for my whole family to come to know Jesus. So I bought each of them a Bible for Christmas. <laughs> Actually, it was half a Bible. It was a New Testament. I couldn't afford whole Bibles. So I got them all in New Testament. And I was so excited to see the looks on their faces when they opened their gifts on Christmas Eve. We did a thing where the oldest to youngest. So my dad opened his first. And he said, John, give me a book. And then he opened it, and he said, oh, it's a Bible. And he had quite a bewildered look on his face. My mom then opened hers. She also had a bewildered look, but she added a concerned look to it. He gave me a Bible, too. Then my older sister, who led me to Jesus, opened hers, and she just smiled at me. She kind of knew what I was trying to do. And then my 13-year-old sister said, you didn't give me a Bible, too, did you, John? <laughs> And, my, and she opened hers. My heart sank. It was not what I was hoping for in terms of the reaction. And it was really awkward. Thankfully, uh, my dad tried to ease the awkwardness by saying, Hey, John, why don't you open your present? Newsflash, it was not a Bible. All right. Well, I did learn. The next year, I bought gifts for each one of my family uh, according to what they actually wanted. But I was trying. You know, as we grow and change, it affects the people closest to us. That can create tension as our friends and families try to make sense of what in the world is going on with you. Today in our lectionary reading from the Gospels, Luke gives us a glimpse of Jesus' family life. And he tells us the only story we have in all the Gospels about his, from Jesus' childhood. We'll find it in Luke 2. And we'll get to see how his family Struggle to understand who he was and what he had actually come to do. Now, next week, our lectionary reading will be from John 1, and I get the privilege of speaking then, too. And John will show us that not only is Jesus fully human, like Luke mentioned, but he's fully God. And in John 1, 1, he says, In the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He is the Word who became human, made his home among us. It is this great Jesus who gave his life to rescue you and I and transform our lives. So let me pray, and then we'll look at Luke 2. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to save us by becoming a real human being. Thank you, Jesus. You understand us. You get us. You know our joys. You know our sorrows. Thank you that you grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and people, and we can too. Thanks for giving your life for us so we can have a new life. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to guide us into all the truth, to lead us to you and to your people, and to empower us to live a wonderful new life. We want to live our lives in such a way that you, Jesus, receive the maximum honor and glory for the magnificent work you've done. And we want to see many more people come to know you and experience your great love and mercy. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Now, to put the story we're going to read in context, Luke has already told us two amazing stories, story of the birth of John the Baptist, story of the birth of Jesus, and then Mary and Joseph have brought Jesus to the temple to dedicate him. 
at, at that same moment, the Holy Spirit guided two really old people, Simeon and Anna, to come to the temple right at that moment. And they spoke words of encouragement and challenge about Jesus that were going to help Mary and Joseph. And now we come to Luke, and we're going to start with verse 39, and we'll read a few verses and then make a few comments, and then we'll continue. When Jesus' parents had fulfilled all the requirements of the law of the Lord, they returned home to Nazareth in Galilee. That was about 90 miles. That was about a four-day journey, if you could make that pace. There the child grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Now, well, interesting, we'll read when we read to verse 52, another verse very similar to this. So what Luke is doing, he's, he's kind of bracketing this whole section. It's all about Jesus growing up and becoming fully uh, who God uh, made him to be. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. They had family customs and traditions. Anybody here have any family customs and traditions out there? I used to think traditions were terrible. Now I think they're wonderful because they help families keep going. They help, they help your life continue to move forward. So they had traditions. They would celebrate this Passover festival. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth. But Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, uh, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. All right, let's stop here a second. So what do you think of this story so far? What do you think of the kind of parents Mary and Joseph are? Are they like the most neglectful parents ever? They lost Jesus, for heaven's sakes. Uh, that probably doesn't look good on your resume, right? Losing Jesus. <laughs> uh, but before you uh, judge them too harshly, you don't have to raise your hands here, but you can. Any parents ever here lost track of any of their kids? Yeah. Sue and I had six, and it was a constant counting noses. Do we have all six? And I was thinking of this. I remembered one Sunday, years and years ago, I had just joined the staff of the Burnsville Church, and Gay lived with us. We lived in Prior Lake then. I had to go to church early that Sunday because I was teaching a Sunday school class. And then Gay came and Sue came, and you know they divided up and brought the kids. Uh, after I taught my class, I'm in the office and I get a phone call and it was one of our five-year-old sons. Dad, you left me. I, uh, I said, well, where were you? I was playing in the basement. I said, uh, sorry, where are you now? He said, I walked down to Heimerl's, which was the end of our street, and thankfully he knew the name of the church and they could find the phone number and he called. I said, oh, we're so sorry. We'll come back and get you right now. Do not go anywhere else. And uh, we got him. And, you know, we felt terrible. And we took him out to a very nice lunch afterwards. <laughs> so I am not here to throw any stones at Mary and Joseph, okay? Uh, now, it's also helpful to look at the context of this historically. You'll see this quote on the screen. New Testament scholar Earl Ellis tells us this. He says, on pilgrimage to Jerusalem, villagers traveled in large companies or caravans in which the women and younger children preceded the men. After the journey began, they would not meet again until the previously agreed rendezvous had been reached. Under these circumstances, it's understandable Joseph and Mary thought Jesus was with the other parent or their kinsfolk. So this story is wonderful. It shows us Jesus had a normal family life. And it was natural for Jesus to be with his friends from Nazareth on the journey. I mean, he was 12, for heaven's sakes. He didn't want to be with his parents all the time. What were you like when you were 12? 
right? Didn't you want some independence, some separation, be with your friends? And Mary and Joseph didn't think it was odd for him to be traveling back with his friends. They trusted Jesus. They expected to see him at the evening meal when the caravan met together. It was only then when they realized, uh-oh, Jesus isn't here. <laughs> and a sense of concern slash panic set in. The next morning, they immediately went back to Jerusalem to look for Jesus. When they couldn't find him, they went <clears throat> excuse me, back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious, leechers, religious teachers, uh, listening to them and asking questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. You know, I wonder what they were talking about. You know, I mean, it was Passover festival. Maybe they were talking about the exodus from Egypt, the great story of the Old Testament, and how the Passover lamb had to be killed and blood on the doorpost and da-da-da-da-da. You do know that Paul says Jesus is our Passover lamb. That would have been a pretty interesting discussion for Jesus at 12 to be engaged in. Now, his parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Now, she might not have been as harsh as I am, but who knows? Uh... Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Three days. And now, these are the first words of, that Jesus speaks that Luke records in his gospel. I think they're pretty interesting. Why did you need to search? He asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? You could also translate this. I must be about my father's business, my father's work. But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Mary did that regularly. When Gabriel announced the birth to her, when the shepherds came and told them what the angels had said to them, she pondered when Simeon and Anna talked to her, and she's pondering these things now. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and all the people. So this is the only story we have of Jesus' childhood. Why? Why do you think this is the only one Luke recorded? Uh, if you ever wondered how did Luke know this, it's most likely Luke interviewed Mary. And that's how we heard about the birth of John the Baptist, the birth of Jesus, the dedication, and this story. Mary lived in Jerusalem. Luke often traveled to Jerusalem with Paul. What can we learn from this story about who Jesus is, why he came? What can we learn from Mary and Joseph about getting to know Jesus better and better for our whole life long? I'd say a couple things. Number one, Jesus knew who he was and what he had come to do. At 12, he knew this. You can know who you are in Christ. You can know that God has a purpose for your life, too. So Jesus knew at age 12 that God was his true father. In this passage, you see that Mary references, your father and I have been searching frantically for you, speaking of Joseph. But Jesus knew, like Joseph was like his stepdad, his parent, but that God was his father. He knew that. He knew he was the son of God. And he also expresses that he had a passionate commitment to his father's work. And he says, I must be here. I had to be here. This is a Greek word, D-E-I, and it means absolutely essential. And it's 
used throughout Luke's gospel for things that must take place in order for God's salvation to come to people like you and I. This was serious to Jesus. He must be in his father's house. He must be about his father's work. Remember, we can remember later when Jesus drove out the money changers from the temple, the disciples remembered it had been written about him. Zeal for your house, your work consumes me. So Jesus was about his father's business. Interestingly, uh, you know, Jesus grew up in a carpenter's family. Joseph was a carpenter. And sometime between age 12, this story, and age 30, when Jesus was baptized, Joseph died. Jesus, being the oldest uh, in the family, became responsible to provide for his mother and brothers and sisters. And so he ran that family business. He was busy about the carpentry business. But at age 30, when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Then he got busy about the business that he had sent to do, which was what? It was clearing the way for you and I to be forgiven, to be set free, to come home to our father like the prodigal son did. Because, you know, you and I and everyone who ever turns to Jesus and cries out to him, we are God's dearly loved children. First John 3, 1 says, see how great a love the Father has for us, that we are called the children of God, and that is what we are. Friends, I think this whole issue of identity, who you are, is so critical to living a really fruitful life your whole life long. Because if... if the Holy Spirit wants this to kind of get settled in your heart. Paul tells us in Romans 8 that you haven't been given a spirit of fear that would lead you to slavery again. You've been given the spirit of adoption. You are a child of God, and he wants. That's, I think, one of the, maybe one of the first works after bringing you to Jesus that the Holy Spirit does is to settle with you. You belong to me. I remember on the, the Christmas time, I had never prayed much as a kid, except when I was late for curfew, I prayed my parents would be sleeping and not wake up. And uh, God answered those prayers most of the time, actually. Uh, he's so full of mercy. <laughs> but when I came to Jesus, I began to call him Father. And I had never talked to God that way before. God really wants you to know he's your ultimate father. He's your great love. I hope you've had a good experience growing up in your family with your father and mother. But again, I'm not a naive person. You know, it's not always easy growing up in a broken world. But you have a father who's perfect and who loves you perfectly, cares for you, and wants you to know that. And so when we come to the time of prayer in a few minutes here, that's one of the things we'll, I'm, I want to encourage you. You know, if you, if you need, like, a fresh sense of God the Father's love for you, come and ask us to pray for you because the Holy Spirit so loves to pour that love into your heart. I think it's important because we can tend to find our identity in all kinds of other things, our work, our friendships, our brains, our strength, our skills, whatever. And those are all wonderful things and gifts that God gives us. But if you put your identity there, what happens if you don't perform quite as well? You can, you can be crushed. You can be blown around. So God wants you and I to, to know that he loves us, to know that we belong to him. He belongs to us. Uh, I'm a big baseball fan, which many of you know. Years ago, the twins had a pitcher named Kyle Gibson, and Kyle loved Jesus with all his heart. I met him. He's a wonderful guy. He had, a, he had some good years for us, and he had some really bad years. And he was in the midst of a bad year. 
and they sent him to Rochester <laughs> to get him squared away. And so he did do some mechanical things to get his arm in the right slot for pitching. But he said later the most important thing was, was he, re he discovered again that he was a child of God. And he didn't obsess about every single inning, whether it was a good inning or a bad inning, whether he'd struck a guy out or he'd got a home run. He said, hey, life is bigger than this. And uh, so God wants you to know that for your life. Next thing, that Jesus, Jesus knew that he was about his father's business. And God wants you to know that he's called you to continue the family business too. To continue the work that Jesus had begun by sharing the good news with your words. Living it out with good works. You know, he's given us all the gifts and the power we need. And we each have different gifts, and we need them all. We need them all. You know, we just had a Christmas Day dinner, and Sue and I, this year our kids were home, so we weren't here for the whole time, but we got to bring some hams and some other things and some cookies over. That just warms my heart that we as a community open our doors and our hearts to our larger community. That's how people come to Jesus. They see our love, they hear our words, they need our words, but they need our actions. So grateful that we have Cahill Place that we can get to know and serve. Second thing we see here is that Mary and Joseph searched diligently until they found Jesus. Now, they didn't understand Jesus' words when he said, well, why did you have to search so hard? Didn't you know I'd be in my, in my father's house? They didn't understand this, but we need to see when we read the Gospels. The Gospels are written from the vantage of the resurrection of Jesus, but that hadn't happened at this point. He hadn't died, he hadn't rose. So once that happened and the Holy Spirit came, then things began to make sense for Mary. If you read about Mary in Acts 1, she was part of the 120. She and Jesus' brothers, his family, they were there when the Holy Spirit landed on them at Pentecost. Then they began to understand what Jesus had done, what it meant for their lives. I love Mary and Joseph as good examples of natural, normal, ordinary people just like us. But they did not understand everything. Do you understand everything? Do you understand everything about following? Do you understand, like, 2021, what that was about for you? You know. Paul said, I'm perplexed, but I'm not utterly cast down. I have been perplexed most of my life following Jesus at one thing or another. But I'm not cast down because Jesus is with me. So Mary and Joseph, they searched diligently until they found Jesus. Mary's a great example to us, along with Joseph, of an ordinary believer who got to know Jesus better and better. You and I will find Jesus over and over throughout our life if we search for him. It's important to know, first of all, he's the first searcher. He searched for you, but then he invites you to search for him as well. It's interesting that Luke tells, two, tells stories about two couples in his gospel that found the Jesus they thought they had lost. This is one of those stories, Mary and Joseph. But there's another story at the very end of the book, Luke 24. Remember the two disciples that were walking to Emmaus? They were getting out of Jerusalem because Jesus had been killed and they didn't want to be the next. A lot of scholars think that was a couple. We don't know for sure. But, but remember, Jesus came and he met them. But they didn't know it was Jesus. And as he broke bread with them, their eyes were open and they saw it was Jesus. I, I think Luke's making a, a point in these stories that finding Jesus is always a surprise. Uh, 
Any of you, when you came to Jesus, like found some surprises? Have you continued to find surprises in your life? God has many good surprises for you coming in 2022. N.T. Wright says this. You'll see this on the, on the screen. If and when we sense the lack of his presence, we must be prepared to hunt for him, to search for him in prayer, in the scriptures, in the sacraments, and not to give up until we find him again. Now, he's not saying Jesus is lost. He's just saying that we can lose a little track. Sometimes in relationships you have this thing called slippage. Anybody ever had any like slippage in your relationship where you might get a little more distant than you want to be? Well, you have to find each other again. I remember when my wife one time sat me down and said, we need to talk. And I said, uh, we talk like all the time. Uh, that's not what I mean. And I said, oh, I did read, re read later that there are studies on this, that men do what's called report talk, R-E-P-O-R-T, and women like rapport talk, R-A-P-P-O-R-T. And so Sue was talking about that. We had, we had reported in, uh, but we had slippage in our relationship. We needed to find each other again. We needed to get back on the same page. And that uh, has continued wonderfully for our, like, 45 years together. So we hunt for Jesus in prayer, in the scriptures, in the sacraments, in worship together. And we're not to give up until we find him again. We must expect, too, that when we do meet him again, he will not say or do what we expect. He must be busy about his Father's work, and so must we. Jesus has great surprises ahead for you the rest of this year and on into next year. What are just a few practical things you and I can do as we search for Jesus to get to know him better and better and better? One, ask questions. Pete referenced Alpha, the Alpha groups. Hey, you know, one of the big reasons a sign for Alpha is a question mark is because it's all about questions. It's all about learning. Ask questions. Struggle with Scripture. Be humble learners. God gives grace to the ones who are humble. To listen to Jesus' words and ponder them. The word ponder, you may not use that word very often. It means to reflect on, to meditate on, to think deeply about, to roll things around in your mind. To do this, you need to make some space. Mary did this regularly. And uh, Pete did a great job preaching on the song of Mary. And if you read through that song, it's full of Old Testament rich illusions. Where did she get that? She pondered them. She read and she thought and she pondered. So I encourage you, ponder scripture. You know, because we're preaching through the lectionary, you, can, you have access to all those passages throughout the week on our app, and I encourage you to do it. Three, follow some helpful spiritual practices and develop, develop some good spiritual rhythms. What do I mean? Well, Mary and, and Joseph, they brought Jesus to synagogue. You can read in Luke 4, where Jesus goes to the synagogue, as was his custom. This was his practice. He was with God's people. He had a rhythm to his week. And they brought him to Passover consistently. So what spiritual practices are you following, or would you like to follow? When Sue and I uh, began to follow Jesus, we both had been really helped by being in small groups with other people who we could talk to, we could learn with, who would pray for us. I still remember being in my small group in Philadelphia after I'd met Sue, and mine was an intergenerational group. And so they, they said, uh, how was your time in Minnesota? 
And I said, it was awesome. I met this blonde-haired, beautiful girl, and I fell in love. <laughs> and they said, ah, sit down right here. We are going to pray for you. And so I thought, well, that's nice of you. And they prayed for Sue, that God would have mercy on her. And I said, what? They said, we know you. <laughs> now, he'll have mercy on you, too. But you need help, especially since you're doing long-distance dating. For We did that for a year. We made cassette tapes and sent them to each other, and we'd each get one on almost every Friday. We still, still have them. Uh, nobody else will ever hear them, but we have them <laughs> anyway. Uh, but small groups. We got married. We were in a small group. We began to have kids. We gave the announcement one day in our small group, hey, we're having twins. The other leaders had told that same thing the week before. People got very scared about the brownies and the water. Nobody ate any treats that night. <laughs> We have needed that. And so when we began to raise our kids, we said, hey, you're going to come with us on Sunday morning. And they came like to two services their whole life mostly. And then we want you to be in a small group. For you, it's going to be youth group. And we'd get pushback like, yeah, but I got, I, got, I got homework. I can't go on Wednesday. I got homework due on Thursday. We said, we will write you a note. You were in small group. And if you, can, you can't get it, that's too bad. Uh, the other thing we said is, Try to start working a little sooner so you don't have to skip Wednesday. So I think we maybe gave our kids a pass once to skip youth group because we believed it would be good for them. I think it was. It's like most things in life. It wasn't always electric, but it was good. So I encourage you, ask questions. Struggle with scripture. Pray. Be in groups. Find some good practices. And you can become more and more like Jesus in 2022 because God will work in every situation in your life and every experience to draw you closer to him. Jesus loved God with all of his heart and he knew how, he learned how to negotiate his love and his compassionate commitment to God and his purpose and he loved his family. But remember, what did he do after this? He went home. And he was obedient to Mary and Joseph the rest of his time. He learned how to be what we call here naturally supernatural. He was a normal person. There wasn't like any, like, I don't know, halo around Jesus' head when he walked around. John Baptist didn't even know which one was Jesus until, until God sent, as it were, a dove over his head. Oh, this is the one. He was a normal person, full of passion for God. God wants that for you and for me to be ordinary, normal, good people, full of the power of the Spirit. We're going to, we, we wrap our services up with worship and prayer, so I'd like the worship gang to come on up now, and I'll give you just a, a few tips. I've already given you some, but I'm going to say them again in a different way. Here are some things you can do to put this into practice the rest of this year and on into 2022. Number one, you can read you can meet Jesus in Scripture. And I would encourage you, make that your goal, to learn to meet Jesus in whatever you're reading. Luke 2 is a good place to read. Hebrews 2 is another good place to read. And then we meet Jesus by prayer. So ask the Holy Spirit, would you make Jesus more and more real to me in my life? Wherever you are right now, take your everyday, ordinary life, the stuff you're dealing with right now, and bring that to God and say, I need to meet you here. And then do. Go on a search for Jesus this next year. Consider asking someone else to join you. We're, we search better 
together than alone. You may already have a person, or if not, think of somebody right now that you could be on a search for Jesus to get to know him better, to follow him more. We love to pray for people, so if those who are, are part of our prayer team could be available, that would be great. As we were worshiping earlier, I had just a few thoughts come through my mind. I had a pain behind my right ear, so if somebody's got pain in their ear, uh, if it's, you know, I felt it in my right ear, but we would pray for your left ear too if that was an issue. Uh, so, but we'd love to pray for you if you've got any blockage or pain or whatever. Uh, the word disappointment just kind of kept flashing to me. I know we've all had disappointments this year. Some of you, you're, you're, you're kind of like under that cloud of disappointment in some ways. We would love to pray for you that God would lift that and give you a new sense of hope today. And then someone's got some stomach challenges. Well, let me pray. Uh, if you wouldn't mind like standing, we'll, we'll close out with worship today. Standing if you're able and I'm going to pray for us. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus again. Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that you lived a truly human life. Thank you that you knew who you were. You were your, you were your father's son. And we thank you that because of you and your great work, we can be your children. But would you make that real to us? Would you come, Holy Spirit, upon each of us and give us that assurance, that confidence that we are yours and you are our father? And Lord, we thank you that you've called us into the family business, that we can work with you in the power of the Holy Spirit with the gifts that we have to serve you. Lord, I pray the rest of this year and next year that, Lord, you give us insights and guidance as to how we can love people well, how we can share good news with people, encouraging words. Some of you are like even having some thoughts coming to you, I think now, some people in your mind right now that you just that you'd like to send a note to or call or give a text to encourage them. I encourage you to do that. There's more power in that than you even can realize. So Lord, we ask that you would empower us to live the life you've called us to. We thank you, Lord, that through simple acts of doing good, you are honored and glorified. And people come to know you. So come now, we pray, Lord. And we thank you for your presence.